Hello, this is Angela from Team 3 and this is Sound News Broadcasting from the Old Man Studio in Church Street, Portadown. This production is for week ending Saturday 25th of March. On behalf of everyone here on the Craigavon Talking Newspaper team, welcome to this week's programme. And so to the stories. And the ones that are making headlines this week are from the Portadown Times, the murder probe into the fire death, and from the Lurgan Mail, overwhelmed by generosity. And we're now going to Jackie, who brings you your first story. Overwhelming is how the family of 32-year-old Natalie McNally described the huge amount raised for children's diabetes research following her brutal murder in her Lurgan home just before Christmas. Following Natalie's funeral, her family had asked those who wished to make a donation to give to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, a charity close to Natalie's heart, she herself having lived with type 1 diabetes since the age of three. Eager to raise awareness about the illness and the work JDRF does in attempts to educate and to help eradicate type 1 diabetes, Natalie's family have been overwhelmed by how generous the people of Lurgan and beyond have been. In a statement to Northern Ireland World, they said, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, JDRF, was a charity very close to Natalie's heart. Natalie previously completed a sponsored swim to raise money for this great charity. Natalie had lived with type 1 diabetes from the age of three. Typical of Natalie's personality, as an adult, she set herself a goal to raise money to help others, in this case children and young people diagnosed with diabetes. Upon Natalie's death, we asked people to donate to JDRF in lieu of flowers. We are overwhelmed with the generosity of the entire community, which has raised £5,000 to assist this brilliant charity as it continues to do brilliant work on behalf of people Natalie cared about so passionately. Murder probe into fire death. Neighbours who live close to the scene of Tuesday morning's fire in Portadown have spoken of their shock and horror at news that a young woman was killed. The blaze started in the early hours of Tuesday morning with quick thinking neighbours sounding the alarm and attempting to rescue those inside. Sadly, one woman aged 37 died and a child was taken into Craigavon Area Hospital. Detectives from the PSNI Major Investigation Team arrested a 25-year-old man on Tuesday night. He was arrested on suspicion of murder, attempted murder and arson with intent to endanger life and was taken to Musgrave's serious crime suite for questioning. The PSNI remained at the scene of the fatal fire on Wednesday and forensics teams were also in Portadown Town Centre supported by police as manholes and gullies were searched. The PSNI spokesperson said, Detectives have been carrying out and continue to carry out searches in Portadown as part of the investigation into the murder of the 37-year-old woman. The Northern Ireland Ambulance Service said it received a 999 call at 2.29 on Tuesday, 21st of March following reports of an incident in the Church Street area of Portadown. A spokesperson said the ambulance dispatched two ambulances and the hazardous area response team to the scene of the incident. Following assessment and initial treatment at the scene, 
One patient was taken to Craigavon Area Hospital by, by ambulance. Neighbours have since revealed how the blaze woke many in the area early on Tuesday morning. Having witnessed this and making the call to emergency services, myself and another friend send our sincere condolences to the family, said one woman. The response from emergency services was outstanding, definitely not a situation that will leave our minds any time. Another neighbour expressed shock and horror that a young woman had lost her life in the fire, adding, What will happen to the little girl? I hope she will be okay. Another woman also voiced concern for the child and expressed her condolences to the victim's family. On Tuesday, as Church Road was closed to motorists and pedestrians alike and the public asked to avoid the area, Detective Chief Inspector Rachel Wilson said, Police received a report of a house fire in the Church Street area of Portadown around 2.15am on Tuesday 21st of March. Officers attended alongside colleagues from the Northern Ireland Fire and Rescue Service and the Northern Ireland Ambulance Service. Sadly, a 37-year-old woman was pronounced dead at the scene. We have now launched a murder investigation into the circumstances surrounding her death. A number of residents have been evacuated from their homes in the area due to the fire. Our investigation continues and I am appealing to anyone with information or who witnessed anything untoward to please get in touch. Likewise, if you have captured dash cam footage, please contact officers in 101, quoting reference number 92 of 2103-23. Alternatively, information can be provided to Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555111 or online at uk.org. A shocked and saddened counsellor, Kyle Mutry, said, My immediate thoughts and prayers are with the family of the deceased. I want to pay tribute to the fact to the fast action of the emergency services who responded to the fire. Sinn Féin councillor Paul Duffy says, The news of this woman's death has shocked the town and our thoughts and prayers are with her family and friends. Carla Lockhart MP said, My thoughts are with the family and friends of the deceased. And now for the rota chemist. During the week ahead, urgent prescriptions will be dispensed at the following addresses, starting with Portadown. On Sunday the 26th of March, the chemist is Gordon's of High Street Mall, open from 11am to 12 noon. Next week, from Monday the 27th of March, the chemist is Partridge of West Street, open until 7pm. There is no road to chemist in Portadown after Wednesday. Lurgan residents can collect prescribed medicines. On Sunday the 26th of March, the chemist is Clear Healthcare of High Street, open from 11am to 12 noon. Next week, from Monday the 27th of March, the chemist is Boots of High Street, open until 7pm. There is no rota chemist in Lurgan on Wednesday and none in either town on Saturday. Sunday opening applies in both towns for public holidays. Delivery driver is attacked. Detectives are investigating a robbery in Craigavon on Monday, March 20th, during which a man was knocked down by his own van. Police say the victim delivered a parcel to a house in Lakeview Court at around 6.45pm. He was then struck on the back of the head while he walked back to his white Ford Transit. He fell to the ground and his attacker then stole the van and made off striking the victim as he got to his feet. The victim sustained some injuries which required hospital treatment. A PSNI spokesperson said the suspect was described as being aged in his 40s with black hair and a beard. He was said to have 
been wearing a white t-shirt and black bottoms. Detectives investigating the crime would like to hear from witnesses or from anyone who may have captured dash cam or any other footage in the area. Alternatively, information can be provided using the non-emergency reporting form or you can also contact Crime Stoppers anonymously or online. And now, another crime. A man was robbed at knife point and again, police are appealing for information. Police are investigating after two men robbed another at Knife Point in Craig Avon's Tully Galley Road area at around 5.40pm on Monday. The 21-year-old was walking on the Black Path when he was approached by two unknown males, one of whom produced a knife and the other a screwdriver, a spokesperson said. They threatened the victim, forcing him to hand over his phone bank cards and cash. The pair forced the victim to walk with them to carry, carry guard and then made off. The robbers are described as approximately 16 to 17 year old. One had light brown hair and was wearing a grey fleece tracksuit under a navy burgess body warmer and a blue surgical face covering. The second was wearing grey fleece tracksuit bottoms and a black top, white baseball cap and a blue surgical face covering. Detectives are investigating a possible link between this robbery and an attempted robbery which occurred a short time earlier. A 16-year-old boy was walking on Lake Road close to the leisure centre at around 5.10pm when he was approached by two teenagers. One of the boys produced a knife and demanded money. The victim refused and the pair made off. Anyone with information regarding either crime is asked to contact detectives by calling 101, quoting references 1650 and 1830-200323. Or you can also contact Crime Stoppers anonymously. And now, family killer is still among us. The killer of Portadown woman, Marianne Beatty, is still among us, says her family, who are set to commemorate the 50th anniversary of her brutal murder. Marion's badly beaten body was found at the bottom of an 80-foot quarry in Ochnacloy, County Tyrone, in March 1973. She had been at a barn dance watching Tuxedo Junction, a band her older brother Isidore Beatty managed. Marion was with her close friend Nula Wilson, who saw her dancing with an unknown man with long blonde hair. The pair were later spotted outside by Isidore, who got a look, good look at the male. It was the last time the teenager was seen alive. The Beatty family, who have been helped by criminologist Robert Giles, believe they know the identity of Marion's killer. Mr Giles received information which matched that sent in an anonymous letter to the Pat Finucane Centre in 2019. This was passed on to police who, in September last year, questioned a man about the killing under caution after he presented himself at a Belfast PSNI station. As yet, no one has been brought to justice. The family has set up a special 50th anniversary memorial event to commemorate their sister and also appeal to anyone who may have information about her murder to come forward. In a statement, the family said, As we are in March, we are approaching Marion's 50th anniversary. Marion Beatty was murdered 50 years ago on the 31st of March 1973. We believe this perpetrator and murderer is still among us today and must be brought to justice. 
The Beatty family will continue their mission to find the truth and seek the justice that Marion and her family truly deserves. As recent events have shown, violence, attacks and abuse against women are prevalent among us, even to this very day. It is down to all of us to effect significant change and hold on to hope, even 50 years later, to find an answer for our loved ones. A memorial event for Marion will be held on Saturday, April the 1st at 2.30pm in Ochnacloy, at the very location the tragedy occurred 50 years ago. The family said we would greatly appreciate your attendance and our support on her anniversary. A police crackdown on reckless bikers is underway after video footage of a man being injured in a motorcycle stunt in Lurgan appeared on social media. The video shows a motorbike rider careering at speed along a pavement in a residential area in Tignavon before pulling the handlebars up in an attempt to drive on the back wheel. The rider, who is not wearing a helmet, falls off the back of the bike, landing hard on the pavement, with the bike later stopping on grass at a distance. Meanwhile, in a separate incident, police seized a motorcycle they described as having been ridden recklessly at Craigavon Lakes on Tuesday. Brownlow neighbourhood policing team, with the help of the local community, identified a motorbike being used recklessly around Craigavon Lakes today, a spokesperson said. The motorcycle has been seized and will be disposed of. The bike was clearly no match for Sergeant Hull and his patrol vehicle of choice today. The SDLP's councillor, Kieran Toman, said, Several local people have contacted me over the weekend to express their concern about the use of off-road vehicles in Tegnavon. I would like to remind everyone that the use of off-road vehicles in public areas, including grass areas and public paths, are strictly prohibited and could lead to police taking action. The misuse of scramblers causes nuisance and damage to the local community and owners should be aware of the laws governing the use of these vehicles. Councillor Toman said he had been sent a video of an individual riding an off-road vehicle in a totally unacceptable way, adding, these individuals deserve to have the off-road vehicle removed regardless of regulations. I am aware that these incidents are targeted to a small group of people in Tignavon and it paints a bad picture of those who do use off-road vehicles safely and legally. But I urge them to show respect for our public spaces and local community. A Lurgan trader has been ordered to pay compensation of £10,000 for failing to complete external construction work to a customer's home to a satisfactory standard. The trader also quoted a significantly lower fee than he subsequently charged for the substandard works and failed to provide the victim with cancellation rights, which is a legal requirement. In a case brought by the Department for the Economy's Trading Standards Service, TSS, Damien McCackley, 35, of Castle Lane Mews, Lurgan, trading as Ground Force Contracts Limited, pleaded guilty to five charges under the Consumer Protection from Unfair Trading Regulations 2008. At Laganside Magistrates Court on Tuesday, March 21st, he was given a two-year conditional discharge and ordered to pay £10,000 in compensation, which must be paid within six months. The court heard the victim engaged the services of the trader, having obtained his contact details through an online platform. The victim was initially quoted £8,000, however an additional £4,500 was soon requested. The victim paid the £12,500 reluctantly. It quickly became apparent that the work was substandard and flawed. As part of the investigation, the TSS commissioned an expert report on the works completed. This concluded the contractor's claim for an additional £4,500 was unjustified and stated that the entire concept of forming a car parking bay to the property was a fundamentally flawed concept. The report further stated there are a number of inherent 
defects and deficiencies in relation to the design and construction of the retailing walls and the resurfacing work to the driveway and car parking bay. John Childs of the TSS said, My advice is to never engage traders through an online intermediary and reputable traders do not cold call. Ask your neighbours, family or friends for personal recommendations of tradespeople who have worked for them. Speak to previous customers for references and view the work where possible. Check they are a member of a trade body with an arbitration scheme. Get everything in writing and agree a price. Never pay up front and never pay cash. Get at least three quotes. Always say no to doorstep sellers and be wary of online advertisements. Always get a detailed written quotation or contract and agree a price. And now for some local government stories. Open grants for longer. A councillor has called on local authority officers to ensure the next wave of a grant for businesses in smaller settlements is left open for longer. At a March 14 meeting of the ABC Council's Economic Development and Regeneration Committee, a report was presented to members in respect of support grants for businesses located within a settlement of 1,000 to 5,000 people. Following assessment of the application, 35 letters of offer were issued to to successful applicants. Having previously expressed some concern about the need to obtain three quotes in order to submit an application, Councillor Paul Berry asked that when the scheme reopened to applicants, more time be given to allow them to obtain quotes. I, along with Councillor Sam Nicholson, expressed concern about this scheme previously, said Councillor Berry. I must say... I am very surprised that 35 letters of offer were issued, given the very short timescale given to the business people. Having said that, I am glad to see that there is a second call in the pipeline, and I would just like to know if there is any indication in relation to the time frames in regards to the opening and closing of that call. The first scheme was opened from November 9th, and closed on December 1st. In my humble opinion, this was a very short period of time for businesses to get three quotations. I would ask that the second stay call sorry, I would ask that the second call stay open longer. Head of Economic Development Services, Nicola Wilson said, We will take feedback on board and weave that into the next tranche of funding, which will open as soon as we possibly can. HGV job total is fueling concern. The ABC councillors have questioned the wisdom of continuing with an HGV training programme that has resulted in only six people gaining employment so far. The ABC HGV Academy is supporting 80 people in obtaining a heavy goods vehicle licence and providing them with a job interview at a local firm seeking drivers. At the March 14th meeting of the Council's Economic Development and Regeneration Committee, they learned that to date 53 people had passed the theory test and 34 the full practical test, but it was noted only six people had secured local employment, with others awaiting DVLA paperwork and our decisions from recent interviews. Councillors were advised it was likely the HGV Training and Employment Academy, funded by the the Department for Communities, would likely be extended beyond March this year. Describing the number of people who had secured employment as a concern, Councillor Kyle Savage asked, if we are going to open another programme, 
is there still demand for this out there? Head of Economic Development, Nicola Wilson, said the scheme had been extended as there was a huge backlog in testing, to which Councillor Savage responded that the figures would suggest there wasn't a demand for the employees in the wider sector. I find that very hard to believe, he said. But with figures like this, do we run another programme? We need to get to the bottom of this issue. We, elected representatives, hear it from businesses every day that they can't get vacancies filled. So they need to be a wider connection with the wider business sector out there. Alderman Stephen Moutry reflected on the scheme's entry. An individual has to be unemployed, on low hours or at risk of redundancy and asked if all of those who participated necessarily wanted a job at the end of it. I am a bit concerned we have historically low unemployment rates at the minute, he said. Quite frankly, I would go as far as to say if anyone wants a job, there is a job for them if they are keen enough to get it. Do we need to tweak what we are doing to go forward to make it better? Perhaps we need to tweak that we are doing to try and address that. In relation to the figures that have been given to us around the HGB scheme, you have to think back. Those people had to be unemployed at the start, so you have to wonder how serious they were about getting employment at the end of it. Those are the difficult questions we have to ask and find a way through so that we are utilising the spend we have correctly. Alderman Mark Baxter asked if the council could make any changes to its entry requirements. There were quite a few people contacting me when it was first brought to council, he said. None of them were unemployed, but they wanted to upskill in their own job or to try and move on and improve. I think those folk have probably missed out and would have been ideal candidates for that sort of upskilling as they couldn't have afforded to do it themselves. Do we have any control over the access to the scheme or is this something we need to look at again and tweak and put the money into something else where there could be more positive outcomes? Miss Wilson said that the scheme was fully funded by the department and it set the entry criteria. Sinn Féin's councillor, Catherine Nelson, has aired concerns over what she called a sharp decline in the number of care packages delivered over winter. Mrs Nelson said the situation was impacting families badly in need of support. Commenting on reports from the Department of Health that 2,780 people were waiting for a care package, she said... Families across the Armagh, Banbridge and Craigavon Council are experiencing the absence of care packages on a daily basis and it has a huge detrimental impact on them and their loved ones. I am in regular contact with the Trust trying to secure care packages but the reality is with over 2,700 people on a waiting list staff are also facing huge challenges due to lack of resources and understaffing. This needs to be urgently addressed. Families and health workers need a health minister in place and an executive working together to invest in the health service to hire more staff and tackle waiting lists now. An ABC councillor has called on the Department for Infrastructure to undertake work needed within the boroughs' villages. At a March 14th meeting, of ABC Council's Economic Development and Regeneration Committee, Councillor Kyle Savage expressed concern that failure to undertake the work could hinder the local authorities' active travel plans for smaller settlements. In January, a consultancy team was appointed to draw up a master plan exploring the need and opportunity for active travel in 13 small settlements across the borough. 
funding for projects which would support the recovery and revitalisation of small settlements has been secured by the Department for Communities, the Department for Agriculture, Environment and Rural Affairs and the Department for Infrastructure. The time frame for use of the funding has been extended until March 31, 2024. Stakeholder engagement sessions were held during February in both Guildford and Rich Hill, while a public questionnaire was live on the Council's consultation hub until March the 10th. Following this consultation, the process gets underway to review findings and prepare listings and potential capital projects that can be taken forward. Councillor Savage told the Chamber he hoped the funding could actually be used for that purpose rather than to carry out repairs he claimed the Department for Infrastructure was ultimately responsible for. Just on the active travel issue for the 13 small settlements, I was one of the very few councillors who actually attended the consultation, so it is great to see that progressing. One of the things that is coming to the fore in this is DAFI's lack of responsibility in some of the work that needs to be carried out within our villages. This is especially apparent in the Donaclone Warrenstown area. One of the things that has really come to the fore in this is the smaller settlements under 1,000 of a population. They seem to have been forgotten about and we need to be using every effort to lobby for investment and funding into those small settlements. DFI was asked for comment. Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Council is to spend £60,000 on a business growth support programme in the new financial year. At a meeting of Council's Economic Development and Regeneration Committee on Tuesday, March the 14th, members were presented with a report recommending £60,000 be spent on an interim business growth support programme that would support at least 50 micro and small to medium enterprises across the borough between April and September. The money will come from Council's Economic Development Services budget. This interim programme will provide bespoke mentoring for up to 21 hours with the support offered tailored to meet the need of each business. Requests currently received by Council's Business Support Hub suggest topics that will include digital marketing, brand development, financial planning, export, digitalisation, sales and marketing development, recruitment and retention of staff, how to win new business and increase sales. It is anticipated 25 new jobs will be created locally as a result of this support and permission was also sought to grant the Chief Executive Roger Wilson authority to appoint a suitable qualified delivery agent to deliver the programme following a robust procurement exercise. A proposal to accept the recommendations was put forward by Councillor Kyle Savage. His proposal was seconded by UUP colleague Councillor Sam Nicholson, with the Chamber subsequently voicing its approval for the proposal. And so to deaths in the community. McCready, Robin, 5th of March, 2023. Peacefully at hospital after a short illness. Beloved husband of Thelma, 47 Maynooth Road, Rich Hill. Interred in Loch Hall Presbyterian Church, Clon Eden, burial ground on Tuesday the 7th. Donations, if desirable, payable to Alan, Ray and Company Funeral Directors, The Old Meeting House, 24A Portmore Street, Portadine, for Acre Gospel Mission and Parkinson's Society UK. Lovingly remembered by all the family circle, safe in the arms of Jesus. Porter, Alan, 3rd of March 2023, suddenly at home. Newry and formerly of Portadown. Interred in Drum Cree Parish Churchyard on Wednesday the 8th. Donations, if desirable, payable to Greg Avon Cardiac Care Association, 
via Alan Ray and Co. Funeral Director, The Old Meeting House, 24A, Portmore Street, Portadown, lovingly remembered by all the family circle, at rest. And one in memoriam, Johnson, Hillary, 25th anniversary of death on the 11th of March. Lovingly remembered by husband Dennis and sons Philip and Stephen at home with the Lord. And now for the sport. Glenavon continued their impressive run of results after coming from behind to defeat Coleraine at Moanview Park. Two goals in the final 20 minutes saw Glenavon pick up all three points and move up to seventh in the Premiership standings as the battle for the final European qualifier spot heats up. The bandsiders would have the half-time lead as Andy Scott profited from a mistake by Glenavon stopper Rory Brown to tap the ball into an empty net with 26 minutes on the clock. Both teams would spurn chances as Connor McKendry was twice denied by Brown, whilst at the other end, Jamie Dorn would have an effort cleared off the line and Danny Wallace saw a goal-bound strike being deflected wide. However, an inspired double substitution by Hamilton would pay dividends as Aaron Prendergast was introduced from the bench and he crossed for Matthew Fitzpatrick, who emphatically found the back of the net with a well-taken finish on 69 minutes. Then, with just six minutes remaining, fellow substitute Michael O'Connor would have the final say, as he slotted past Gareth Dean after being teed up inside the box. Glenavon are now unbeaten in their last four Premiership games, and Hamilton stressed that he had full faith in his and the players' ability to ignore recent criticism. When you look at the results this weekend, you don't know how teams will come out on the back of recent results that all clubs have had and where they stand at this moment in time, said Hamilton. When you look at those results, we could have gained today and moved near the teams above us. The hunt for third or even second is still very achievable. But when you defend how we did in the last 20 minutes, then those other results doesn't matter. The manner of the two goals we conceded, we were in possession for the two goals and how we give the goal away and proceed to defend is just not good enough. And after a determined two-all draw against Europe-chasing Crusaders, Portadine boss Niall Curry would have been walking off the Shamrock Park pitch hoping his side had reduced the gap to Dungannon Swifts to only four points. Alan O'Sullivan's late strike secured a point to spark further hope of escaping the Danske Bank Premiership drop and things were looking good for them with Cliftonville leading 1-0 against 11th placed Swifts heading into the 90th minute. But how quickly it changed. Porag Lynch grabbed an equaliser at Solitude before Joe Moore clinched all three points for Dean Shields' men to ensure the gap between Portadown and Dungannon is seven points with six games to play. Portadown took the lead through a composed Paul McElroy finish, but two second-half goals from Ross Clark and Philip Lowry put the visitors back ahead until O'Sullivan's leveller. I thought we were brilliant, Curry told Ports TV. The Ports boss also offered praise to Dungannon in his post-match press briefing. We gave ourselves a great platform and fully deserved at least a point. We're dealing with a quality side and it's always going to be difficult. The substitutions they made at half-time were really positive and fair play to Stephen Baxter for doing that. It changed them a wee bit with Ross Clark's quality and Jordan Forsyth going into the six opens it up offensively for them. I thought we dealt with things really well and were over the moon to get a point, but we got a bit of a sickener listening to the Cliftonville-Dungannon game. That has been a real disappointment to us, but it was always the case with us being reliant on other teams. We have a decent squad now and we just keep fighting and doing what we're doing. 
If we keep getting that type of effort and that type of performance, we still feel we can get points. I'm really proud of the players and we can't do anything about other results. Paul has been sensational since the day he came here and has given us a cutting edge. It makes such a difference when you can score goals. All we can do is continue to fight right until the end and I hope the town is proud of us and proud of the team because they are giving everything and we're trying our very best to get out of this. Lurgan Celtic claim points. Having exited the Marshall Cup during the week to crew unite to crew United, Lurgan Celtic were keen to get back to winning ways at home to Armagh Blues on league duty. Celtic had made several changes to the starting lineup due to a variety of reasons, but were hopeful that with a strong squad, the changes would see little disruption to the run of league form of late. A goal in each half cemented the three points for the home side although it was a performance that saw both sides toil to get any fluidity or dominance throughout. Armagh were always in the contest and extremely even opening period saw few chances of note for either side and the half was perforated with stoppages and wayward final balls that caused concern for the home support. Armagh were using the long ball over the top as a ploy to unlock the Celtic rearguard, whereas the home side were trying to use their pace on both flanks to create chances on goal. With it looking like the first half was going to end scoreless and with neither team deserving of a lead at the break, Celtic struck a goal with one of the few passing moves of note in the half. Home nerves were settled with just under quarter of an hour remaining, when Tonin was again instrumental in driving forward and slotting the ball to the potent Reynolds, who coolly settled himself and picked his spot. Celtic most mind host mind well next Saturday in a much-anticipated contest between two excellent sides with notable players on both panels. Running Club offers an invitation. Hot on the heels of its festival of running, Portadown Running Club is encouraging anyone who wants to take up the sport to sign up for its Couch to 5K eight-week challenge. Anyone who wants to join the initiative from April 17th should contact Club at gmail.com. The festival had 622 registered finishers across marathon, half marathon and 10k distances. Male marathon winner was Tandra Gaze, Gareth King, who has represented Great Britain and Northern Ireland internationally. The female marathon winner was Jane Leatham of, of Jog Moira. The male half-marathon winner was East Antrim's Nick Weston. The female half-marathon winner was Gillian McCrory from Lurgan St Peter's Athletics Club. The male 10K winner was Stephen Lunn from Portadown, running for Lagan Valley AC. And the female 10K winner was North Belfast Louise Smith. Marathon male Gareth King Stephen Cock- second Stephen Cochran and third Michael Beatty. Marathon female, first was Jane Leatham, second Laura Grimes and third Gillian Conley. Half marathon male, one was Nick Weston, Barry McCarroll, second and third Peter Williams. Half marathon female, first was Gillian McCrory, second Helen Perry, third Debbie McConnell. 10k male winner was first Stephen Lunn, second Colin McDowell and then for the female 10k first was Louise Smith, second was Megan McClurg, third Naomi U. Pritchard. And then this is a report by Faith Rowe who is from Portadown College Journalism Journal. Club 
and it's about rugby, girls' rugby. And this is by Faith. Rugby is a hugely popular sport, especially within this country. There are thousands of players across the 56 clubs and schools within Ulster that have teams. Despite this, the stigma surrounding girls and women's rugby is harming opportunities that are available for young women who are interested in taking up the sport. Faith says as a rugby player herself, she has seen the development of girls rugby firsthand and the dedication of many coaches to encourage girls to, talk, to participate. However, she has also encountered many negative reactions and opinions that have brought setbacks to any potential progress. So in order to get players' perspective on the issue, Faith spoke to Year 12 student Hannah, who plays for Portadown. Hannah fell in love with rugby after attending matches with her mum and stepdad before joining rugby, Portadown Rugby Club at 10 years old. She joined just as the girls' section was starting and described it as having very low numbers. Hannah said, at the beginning, we all had to play with older girls as numbers were so low. Within girls' rugby, it is not uncommon for players to share one coach despite having a wide range of ages within the group. Hannah explained that there had been more of an uptake of girls' rugby since she began playing and that there were a lot more girls that have started playing through mini-rugby, which means there's more younger players. Fortunately, the number of girls joining clubs at an earlier stage has increased resulting in many clubs having large under-12s and under-14 teams. However, this number is often significantly reduced for the older girls, who have much more limited opportunities compared to the boys. Hannah's solution to helping people become more aware of girls' rugby is to develop a girls' team for school. There are currently no extracurricular opportunities for girls' rugby at Portadown College, Hannah said. But there are a lot of girls interested. By having a team, we would be able to create league and win prizes for PC. Like many female rugby players, Hannah also points out the importance of having the support of the male players. Unfortunately, she has seen time and time again the boys' team having priority over the girls, and even on a small number of occasions, having to move pitches mid-training session to make way for the boys. These negative attitudes are preventing the girls' sport from growing and receiving adequate funding to facilitate travel costs. Girls' rugby, and indeed girls' sport in general, is coming on leaps and bounds. It is clear that there's a long way to go to create a level playing field for girls and boys alike. The Women's Six Nations Championship held last year gained more traction than ever. As women's rugby becomes more mainstream, the development of the female section within clubs continues to progress. Organisations such as Irish Rugby and Ulster Rugby have begun encouraging girls to start playing at an earlier age. This is particularly important as professional female rugby players are paid around half that of the professional male player. I wanted to understand how coaches viewed the developments of the girls' sport. So Faith spoke to Mr Andrews, who has been coaching football within Portadown College for more than 20 years and several years ago had set up a successful girls' football team. He described girls as having much more enthusiasm and interest when given the opportunity to play football for the school. There's different levels of play, he said, but it's clear that they enjoy it much more. And it's clear that the introduction of football for girls within Portdown College has been met with great success. When I asked Mr Andrews about what steps could be taken to improve sporting opportunities for girls, he explained that it is often hard to encourage girls to try a new sport. 
the success of women's football and the exposure of it on TV and media definitely help girls to try it. This appears to be a common theme within female sport and demonstrates how female role models within sport are vital for young girls to become interested in playing. Women and girls rugby is a hot topic with the development of teams across the country. It all starts with changing the attitude of fellow players, parents, coaches and those with authority to create opportunity for girls to gain experience in the game of rugby. After all, we are only as good as the opportunities given to us. Upper Ban MP Carla Lockhart joined two local Orange Lodges in support of fundraising breakfast recently. Events held by Lockall District and Loyal Blue LOL 119 in Banbridge drew large crowds of supporters who enjoyed a fine Ulster fry, said the DUP's Mrs Lockhart. On Saturday, I had the pleasure of joining with the Brethren of Lockall District at their big breakfast. It was very pleasing to see the support from the local community for the district in their endeavours and fundraising efforts. A special mention goes to Barry McQueen and his team of volunteers who cooked up a sumptuous breakfast for everyone in attendance. After Lockall's breakfast, it was a drive across to Bambridge for the Loyal Blue LOL 119 breakfast. Again, the support was magnificent for the Lodge, who were raising funds for Be Positive. With over 150 breakfasts served up by the army of volunteers, it was an incredible effort and the Lodge deserves huge credit for such a success. And there's a photograph, and in the photograph is Carla Lockhart, MP, MLA Jonathan Buckley, Councillor Lavelle Michael Rath, at Cloncore Orange Hall near the Birches with District Master James Gilpin and PDM and current District Tyler T.D. Forbes. ABC Borough Council officers are to explore the possibility of the local authority doubling its contribution to a fund designed to help upcoming athletes achieve excellence. A March 13th Leisure and Community Services Committee meeting discussed a request from the Mary Peters Trust to help support and maintain its capital base. The Trust's funds are invested and the interest is distributed as sporting awards to upcoming athletes. In 2022, it supported 19 individuals from the borough with a total of £9,550. A report to the committee recommended the council contribute £500 to the trust is in line with previous years, but councillor Margaret Tinsley believed it should be increasing its financial contribution. We have just outlined that we have 19 young athletes benefiting to the tune of £9,500 and I think the least we can do is look at increasing our contribution to £1,000, she said. I don't think that is excessive and I think it is a very deserving trust for us to be contributing to as it will help support our young athletes and I would make that a proposal. The Council's Sports Development Manager, Gillian Dewart, told the Chamber she was confident the Sports Development Budget could accommodate the additional amount proposed by Councillor Tinsley and the Committee's Chair, Councillor Declan McElindon, confirmed that subject to Council's assent, the increase could be approved. Councillor Tinsley's proposal to increase the Council's contribution to £1,000 was then seconded by Councillor Julie Flaherty with the committee voicing its approval. New modular changing places toilet facilities have been installed at Gosford Forest Park and Lurgan Park to allow more people to enjoy the spaces. The new facilities are situated beside the existing public toilets in Gosford Forest Park and at the Robert Street entrance of Lurgan Park, enabling easy access for families and those needing support from a carer. Lord Mayor Councillor Paul Greenfield said, we're delighted to see the new facilities operational at Gosford and Lurgan Park making our parts even more inclusive and accessible for everyone who visits. I have no doubt this will make a huge difference to people who need these facilities on a daily basis, enabling them to enjoy our local parks. 
In addition to the two new changing places toilets and as part of our continued commitment to improve the quality of life for people with a disability, other projects have been successfully delivered, including a new wheelchair swing at Scarva Park, powered doors at the Marketplace Theatre Armagh, and a new mobile accessible toilet is now available for large-scale events. To access the changing places toilets and wheelchair swing, visitors will require a radar key available to any disabled person living in the borough. The keys also provide access to any public toilet in the UK that has been fitted with a radar corresponding lock for protection against vandalism or misuse. They are available at a cost of £3.20 per key from the Civic Centre in Craigavon, the Council Depot in Armagh and the Civic Building in Bambridge. Proof of disability is required, including a PIPS letter or blue badge. Kingspan Strike As workers from Kingspan Water and Energy in Portadown began day two of strike action on Monday, news emerged that the 8.5 pay offer from management had been rejected. Pickets started on Monday morning at the firm's Guildford Road plant, with the union Unite claiming the strike has severely impacting production at the factory, which employs 200 and which manufactures fuel and water tanks. A spokesperson for the Unite Union said, the industrial action follows an overwhelming 99% vote for strike action and 65% rejection of an inadequate eve of strike offer from management, which fell well short of Unite members' demands for a cost-of-living pay increase. The Portadown workers are also angry that they have been excluded from a £1,000 cost-of-living payment that was provided to all other Kingspan Water and Energy employer employees. However, it is understood that the latest pay offer also included a £1,000 lump sum. Unite General Secretary Sharon Graham expressed her support for the striking worker. Workers, the Kingspan workers can count on the full support of their union. It is our members' hard work which delivers Kingspan's huge profits, so it is only fair they get their slice of pie. Unite Regional Officer for the Workforce, Neil Moore, called on management to make a cost-of-living pay increase offer to end the strike. The Kingspan workers are determined to win a cost-of-living pay increase, he said. There's a real sense of resolution on this picket line and production at this factory has been massively impacted. After two years of real-term pay cuts, these workers are not taking it anymore. Management needs to respect the workers and return to the table with a genuine cost-of-living increase. For our part, Unite stands ready to return to negotiations, but they need to be based on a significant improved offer from management. And then um, the Department for Infrastructure has opened a new construction materials testing lab in the borough. The purpose-built lab at Carn Portadown will provide an enhanced facility to assess the quality of materials used in the construction and maintenance of the road network. The department manages £26 billion of essential infrastructure assets across Northern Ireland, including the maintenance of 25,000 kilometres of roads, 9,700 footways, 5,800 bridges and spends approximately 90 million annually on resurfacing with a further 10 million on surface dressing. Director of Engineering David Porter said, the road network across Northern Ireland is an extremely valuable strategic infrastructure asset. 
the provision of a safe road network is hugely important. The new facility increases materials testing capacity and provides assurance that the construction and repairs of our road networks are being carried out using materials which are compliant with specifications. This ensures that road repairs and the new construction will be fit for purpose and will help demonstrate that we are achieving value for money from contracts. The team has worked hard to achieve external accreditation, which allows the facility to test aggregates, soils, concrete, bituminous materials, along with post-construction testing of material density, surface regularity, and the reflectivity of carriageway markings that help people help people to keep safe. Railway line is to close for vital engineering works. Translink is to carry out essential engineering works that require the Portadown railway line to close on two weekends in April. The work is scheduled for April 8th and 9th and then again from April 22nd and 23rd. There will be a line closure between Belfast, Great Victoria Street and Portadown stations, but there will be bus substitution services in place for local cross-border enterprise services. The bus will operate between Great Victoria Street, Belfast and Portadown. Passengers are asked to check before they travel as bus times may differ from scheduled rail departure times. The Northern Ireland Railway ticket will also be valid for use on your Ulster bus and the Metro. Works will take place at multiple sites. The main work will see the start of a major signalling upgrade at Lisburn. And during the closure, there will also be some work done in the Belfast area for the new Belfast Grand Central Station works at Adelaide and Finnehy. There will also be tunnel repairs. Enterprise services will operate as normal between Portadown and Dublin Connolly, with bus substitution in place between Belfast Lanyon Place and Newry. An express coach service will run between Newry and Lanyon Place. There will be normal train services between Belfast and Bangor. Translink, Translink is urging passengers to plan ahead and check timetables. And the spokesperson John Glass said, we are committed to investing, upgrading and enhancing the rail network with major projects progressing significantly over recent years. These projects are vital to protect and modernise our infrastructure to maintain high quality, safe and attractive rail services for everyone. While the vast majority of project works are usually undertaken at night, these line closures are essential to complete the work efficiently and safely. They will also enable us to reduce any long-term passenger disruption. We have carefully planned these closures to minimise the overall impact on the majority of our passengers. And for our final story, Lord Mayor Councillor Paul Greenfield has hosted a special event to celebrate the successful completion of the Uniting Communities Through Sport and Creativity programme by young people in Lurgan and Portadown. The programme is a headline action in the executive's Together Building a United Community Strategy, which uses sport and creativity to bring young people together and to build good relations within communities. Appointed by the Department for Communities in February 2022, Scott Street Youth and Community Centre, in partnership with Oasis Youth and Healthy Kids, have since worked with seven schools and five youth clubs to deliver sessions to around 400 young people of 20 nationalities. Young people from across Lurgan and Portadown were involved in three sets of 10-week programmes and a social action project raising £1,700 for the Craigavon Food Bank 
as well as creating Christmas treat hampers. The recent Craigavon Civic Centre event was an opportunity for participants, parents and partners to celebrate the young people's successful involvement in the programme. Awards and certificates were presented, highlighting their contributions and development. Project manager Richie Smith added, We are hopeful that more programmes like these become available locally so that young people continue to improve their attitudes and develop a community where they can play an active role in building good relations. And so we have come to the end of this week's recording. Our thanks as usual go to the team of volunteers who have edited and recorded and to Mackles for collecting Portadown Times and Lurgan Mail for us, and to the Presbyterian Church for the use of the studio. Editing the news this week were Paul and Ken, and as usual, our technician was Michael, and reading with me this week was Jackie. So, from the newsroom at the Old Manse, this is Team 3 signing off. We thank you for spending time with us, and all our good wishes go with you for the week ahead. Our team will be back in four weeks' time. Can I just say, please remember to return your wallets. This is a Sound News as a Craig Avon Talking newspaper production.